0: This isn't Grandma's radio show. We talk about slobber knocking fights. Ground and battle. Rear naked chokes. Plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. It's coming up next, another brand new episode of Sucker Radio. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. What
1: is up, suckas? We are here at MMASucker.com for another edition of Sucker Radio. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy Brand, and we have a big knockout show for you this week. Before I get to telling you who my guests are, I'm sure you've heard the big news of the week. If you haven't, you have not been on the computer. John Jones, UFC light heavyweight champion, or shall I say former UFC light heavyweight champion, has been stripped of the 205-pound title. Dana White made the announcement on Tuesday evening on Fox Sports 1 that they have officially stripped him of the title and suspended Jones indefinitely. You may ask yourself why this happened well, what happened was Sunday morning after UFC 186 went down on Saturday night, everyone awoke and basically forgot about the pay-per-view that happened the night before because there was Jones all over Twitter. Front row Brian and Bloodstained Lane uh, took to Twitter. Brian himself was hacked, but somehow someone on his... Uh, Social media network that hacked in knew that something was going to happen with Jon Jones and that he was going to be out of his UFC 187 matchup. Well, what happened was Jon Jones was involved in a hit-and-run on Sunday morning um, which involved a pregnant lady, and he decided to run and flee from the vehicle, not turning himself in until Monday afternoon. Uh, boy, oh, boy. He hasn't been charged yet. He ha- nothing has happened as we speak, but uh, the UFC has stripped him of his title. And at UFC 187, Daniel Cormier will step in for him and take on Anthony Rumble Johnson for the light heavyweight title. The main event is DC versus Rumble. Now. Tell me what you want about Jones. I mean, I've had plenty of people on Facebook, on Twitter, say that this was the wrong move. This was the bad thing to do. Um, We actually had both sides of the coin. Nick Baldwin wrote a story about why the UFC should strip um, Jones of the title immediately. And Mike Fagan wrote why he shouldn't be stripped. So we've had both sides of the coin. If you go back... This is not the first time that Jones has had some trouble with the law. In fact, it's not the second or third time. He's had a few incidences where he's had to let people know that he was in the wrong. So, you know, it wasn't a slap on the wrist this time. I believe the UFC did do diligence and uh, they made the right move. They showed that you have to follow the UFC code of conduct as an athlete, under their banner and taking away the title was the right thing in my opinion so good on them and i hope they move forward with everything that uh has been going on they move forward in the right direction but we're also wishing john jones the best i mean we don't want this to turn any into anything um anything bad hopefully john goes and gets help for whatever whatever has happened hopefully he he does himself some good and and uh, figures things out, and, and this doesn't happen again, so we can see the man who was the true pound-for-pound pound king back inside the octagon. So we hope all the best for him, as well as the pregnant lady who, who had a broken arm, I believe. It would be great to know that she recovers well um, as well. So good luck to both of them. We wish them the best, and that is that. Guest this week. I said it was a rock and roll show. It is a huge one. This could be one of my favorite shows I have ever done because I am joined by a guy who is on one of my favorite shows of all time, Entourage. The Entourage movie comes out in June. Today I will be talking to none other than the man known as Turtle, Mr. Jerry Ferrara. I chat with him a couple days ago, actually, and and this is a pre-recorded interview, so this is gonna happen prior to finding out that John Jones has been stripped of the title. I talked to him about some of his opinions on that, um, so you'll hear that. Um, take that for what it is, because he doesn't know at that time that John Jones has been stripped of the title. But a guy who does know that Jones has been stripped of the title, and the cool thing about it is my other guest, Uriah Faber, who I chat with just a day ago, a couple days ago. Literally right when I was talking to him, UFC president Dana White had turned the news over that Jon Jones was stripped. So I told Uriah as it happened, Uriah Faber will be my guest. And he's finding out right off the hop that Jon Jones has been stripped of the light heavyweight championship. So you'll hear... His thoughts and, and how he felt about the light heavyweight king being stripped of his title. It's pretty cool. So I it's, it's interesting to hear a fighter truly give his opinion fresh and, and not being able to think about what had gone down and then give you the answer. He's literally getting it right off the hop. So Uriah Faber will join me in a little bit. Joining me first will be Jerry Ferrara. But before I get to that... This past weekend, as I said, UFC 186 went down. Unfortunately, it was overshadowed by Jon Jones. But in the main event, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson proved again that he is the number one man in the flyweight division and moves himself up that pound-for-pound ranking, earning himself a submission finish. At 4 minutes and 59 seconds into the last round, the 5th round. This is the latest stoppage in UFC history, earning himself another check mark on that record book. Congratulations to DJ. He's always been good to MMA Sucker. We're big fans of him. And uh, proving that he is the number one man in the 125 pound division. co event. Not too fun to watch, but Quentin Brampage Jackson earning himself a unanimous decision in his return to the octagon against Fabio Maldonado. Michael Bisping earns a unanimous decision, doing what Bisping does. He, he got rocked actually by CB Dalloway, but you know, Bisping pushed the pace, earned himself the judge's nod. Catchweight bout at 160, John McDessie. Um, TKO'd Shane Campbell He was a late replacement um, Not taking anything away from Mac Desi, he caught him Finished him in the very first round And opening up the UFC 186 Main card Thomas Almeida TKO'd Eve Jabuan In the first round as well One other fight that I'd like to talk about um, Was the trilogy match Between Alexis Davis and Sarah Kaufman Kaufman looked like she was doing what she needed to do, uh, until midway through the second round, that is, when Alexis Davis snagged up an armbar and tapped Sarah Kaufman out. So uh, Alexis Davis took fight number three. We'll see. Maybe there'll be a fourth. <laughs> That's about it. UFC 186 in the books. Uh, coming up next, we have UFC Fight Night 65, Stipe Miocic versus Mark Hunt down in Adelaide, Australia. Not this weekend, but next weekend. So we're not going to talk about that at all right now. But what we are going to do, and I'm excited for you guys to listen to this one, it's almost a 30-minute interview with Entourage's Jerry Ferrara. Joining me now is a man who is known as Turtle on Entourage and has one of my favorite podcasts out there, Bad for Business. Please welcome Jerry friggin' Ferrara to Sucker Radio. Jerry, thanks for joining me today, man. Of
2: course, man. And I kind of, I like that friggin Ferrara uh, intro. I like that. I'm gonna feel
1: that. <laughs> awesome. Something, Uh, I, I want to, before nerding out on Entourage and b for I want to talk to you about what the podcast is about, mixed martial arts. Now, I'm sure you saw on Twitter on Sunday and, and have heard by now about John Jones. As a fan of the sport, were you keeping up with all of that and uh, about what was being said about him on Sunday?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, I kind of saw it on, like, the ESPN ticker, but I kind of saw what happened. I didn't see who it was, and then I looked over to the left, and I saw it was him. Uh, yeah, I mean, as a fan of the sport and as a fan of his, you know, I'm, I'm definitely following what happens and also... Uh, You know, I don't jump to conclusions until all of the facts and details come out and you really get to hear fully what happened, you know?
1: If he were to be charged and, and, you know, put into, well, not put into jail, but if he were to be charged, if you were the man in charge of the UFC, what would you do with him? Would you strip him of the title? Would you suspend him?
2: Again, you know, a charge is a charge and a conviction is a a different story. So, uh, and I definitely am not, presidential in any way whatsoever. And again, I've only read what's happened on, like, the tapes. I don't know the facts of exactly what happened or what they're saying or allegedly happened. So, uh, you know, that's always, I think, the toughest part of any leadership in all sports is how to police the sport off the field or outside of the cage, you know, outside of the ring, outside of the octagon, you know. It's like you asking me that question, Kind of just freaks me out in a way because I, and it makes me say, wow, you're right. You know, what's your first knee jerk reaction? Because on one hand, you could say, oh, this doesn't look good, so let's strip them immediately and, and show that we're on top of this. But on the other side, like, you know, due process and everyone's entitled to, uh, if he is charged, entitled to a trial and innocence until proven guilty, so it's a tough spot to be in for all parties involved. And I'm, honestly, I'm glad I don't have to make those
1: it, types of decisions. Yeah, no kidding. I don't even know what to do. It is a, it is a spot that's sort of sticky because, I mean, we've seen he's had slaps on the wrist before. He's he's had numerous charges. Um, well, one charge put against him, he had the cocaine issue, but we saw today or earlier this week that the Miami Dolphins have suspended one of their players, well, not the Miami Dolphins, but the NFL have suspended one of the Miami Dolphins players for an entire year because of drug policy. Now, if the UFC wants to be considered a legitimate sport, would they not have to sort of follow suit with the NBA, NFL, and stuff like that?
2: Well, I I, I think the UFC is you know, a legitimate sport. I hear what you're saying. Like, and you start talking about the NFL and, and the shield that is the NFL. That's the biggest sport in the, in our country for sure. Um, you know, when you really kind of look at the, the history of the UFC, you know, and how long they've been around, I mean, I think they're actually doing pretty good for how long they've been around and also how long they've been at mainstream. So uh, I think they got to just keep on going the way they're going. And I think ultimately, in terms of drug testing and suspensions and and all that, I think I mean everyone's going towards the direction of just just feels like testing for everything and suspending for everything. The penalties seem to be getting harsher and harsher, and the tolerance is high is less and less. So think it's only gonna
1: grow which is a good thing yeah for sure now with Jones possibly being out of 187 we don't know this as I speak to you right now um a guy who has been drug tested a number of times is another UFC 185 fight, 187 fighter Vitor Belfort um does it worry you at all that potentially the co-main event and main event could be gone from UFC 187
2: well of course I mean this as is a, as a lot well, from a fan perspective that's the last thing you want to see is any event, let alone you know matchups like that being taken away. So, worry is not really the right word. It's almost just it would be like a kid on Christmas who wakes yeah, up and yeah. find out like you didn't get your favorite toy that you you know. So yeah, it would definitely be a bummer if, if those got wiped out for sure. I think every fan, I think every UFC fan, every fight fan, every MMA fan would be bummed out if you don't get to log I in, mean, don't get to watch an event like that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now, UFC women's bantamweight champion Ronda Rousey was in the entourage movie with you. Before we talk about her in the movie, what are your thoughts on on Bech Correa being her next challenger, and do you see Rousey having any issues taking her on?
2: I mean, look, I again speaking, and I call myself a novice because I have zero <laughs> fight experience, you know, outside of the the ten. BJJ classes I've taken and the limited boxing training, so I am a novice on all accounts. Um, but having gotten to know Rhonda a little bit through the Entourage movie and just—I mean, look—it's the fight game, so you always have to have. It's hard get that doubt, but I don't think she ever overlooks any opponent. So I know she's going to be ready, and that makes me feel very, very confident, knowing that uh, when she trains and she prepares, like I don't know a harder worker. And out there, whatever your craft may be, whether it's another actor, whether it's a different sport or Ronda, like there's there's not a harder working athlete and professional than Ronda. And I'm not even saying that because she's in the Entourage movie. I got to see it firsthand. Like she's she's just a real deal, man. And uh, that does make me feel good knowing that she's going to take this camp like she's taken on every other camp that she's done really, really well with.
1: Other than Ronda, who are some of your uh, other favorite fighters to watch?
2: I mean, I'm, I really go back, like, I really started, like, the, the the Ultimate Fighter show is really what got me going back, back in the day, uh, but, you know, like, growing up, obviously, Chuck Liddell, who I've gotten to, to know over the years, and I'm actually in a fantasy football league with him, nice. you know, and so now I actually get to talk to him about, you know, fighting and asking some questions, and he's, like, the most open guy in the world, like, uh, I, I love the Matt Hughes Matt Farah Ultimate Fighter show. You know? <laughs> Just in the way that they were talking trash to each other, you couldn't really ever figure out like do these guys secretly love each other or secretly hate each other? You couldn't really figure it out. Um, I mean, God, there's so many, so many good fighters. I love watching the Diaz brothers at all times. Like those guys are really fun to watch, and those guys fight so damn hard, win or lose. Uh, you know, it'd be hard to just sit down and pick, like, one fighter I'd love to watch.
1: Have you caught the new season of The Ultimate Fighter that premiered last week? No,
2: here's what I do. Like, my system with it is I do my best to ignore it, and I try to mute all the things on Twitter that normally would, like, expose some stuff, because I need to get, like, three or four in the bank, because one is not enough.
1: Yeah. So... (laughs)
2: I need like three or four in the bank where I could just sit on the couch and just rattle through them. So I kind of go dark in radio silence. I let them build up in the old DVR, and then I just rip right through them.
1: I'll give you this: it it, it is a different take on uh, what the Ultimate Fighter has done.
2: Oh, really? Okay, that's not too much of a spoiler, but it's it's kind of like new stuff in a way. they re they're re they're redesigning
1: a little bit well yeah it's team versus team so black zillions versus uh, american top team and uh right. in in florida so yeah it's it's out
2: of the it, vegas element no more tests There's it's actually an ocean
1: exactly so it, it's a bit of a different take the fighters are in a house but I'll, I'll leave it at that it's different and i'm gonna have to hit you up on twitter and see what your thoughts are after you've watched a few episodes
2: yeah, I'll ch- I'll check back in with you. Uh, so what the first one just aired. So you know what? Probably by the end of May, mid to end of May, I'll rip through three or four of them, and I'll be able to come back and we'll talk about it again. For
1: sure. Awesome. All right, let's talk some other stuff. Entourage, man. You know, it was your first. It wasn't your first acting gig, but it was definitely the one that brought your your career to that that next level. Um, what part of the eight season journey was your favorite?
2: which season, uh, you know, in a weird way, I imagine, I mean, not that I imagine like this is what it's like to have kids, but I almost like, you know, see, I always ask my mom in a joking way, you know, I have an older brother, so I, I always kid around. I don't really ever want to answer this question, but I'm like, who's your favorite kid, you know, who's your favorite son? It's kind of like the same way with this question. I mean, because I just look at season one and I'm, I, I mean, I was 23 years old. I think I'm 35 now. So like just to, and I haven't really watched them back in quite a long time, but to look back on those years now, it's like, wow, like, there was so much in front of me that I just had no idea what was going to happen. And there's something really special about that. And then I can make the same argument for the final season. It's like, that is what I actually start to, I actually got to calm down and, and look back and not be so, uh, you know, afraid or paranoid that the show wasn't well received or was going to get canceled, but... I mean, I, I can make that same argument for every season, So, but if you had to, if you put if you put me up against a wall and said, choose, I'm going to go season two. And here's why. Because season one was great. I was young. There was fear. Season eight was great. I was older, but I was sad because it was ending. Season two, I think everyone kind of figured it out at that point and uh, was like, okay, we know what this show is. We know what to do. We know how to how to do this, and let's just crank them out, you know? So i go season two right now. and There's also some really, really great stuff, the Mandy Moore stuff, the Aquaman, James Cameron stuff, but season two was real fun.
1: That's sort of what I wanted to ask you. Was there ever a moment where there was a guest star on the show and you were like, oh, my God, I get to work with this person?
2: Uh, There's a hundred of those. I mean, you know, (laughs) I think think deep down, um, all actors especially actors who love sports want to be athletes. And I think all athletes who are big fans of movies want to be actors. So, you know, the fact that we've actually gotten to work with so many athletes on this show and I'm a sports nut. So, you know, LeBron James, Phil Mickelson, you know, we had A-Rod on the show, Tashara, Amari Stoudemire. It's just, I always nerded out for the athletes. Um, but um, I also think that James Cameron was a very big cameo for us because he came on, he played himself as directing Aquaman movie, which kind of legitimized the fake entourage world we were trying to build. You know, like, he legitimized that Aquaman project, which for fans of the show will the Aquaman storyline in the beginning of season two was like a joke. Like, the Vince character was like, Aquaman? or yeah. like <laughs> a Underwater? Weird? Like, he didn't even... And then the minute you heard James Cameron directing it, it's like, oh, my God, we got to do this movie. And that's a lot. Certain parts of the entertainment industry do work. You know, you can read a script that's like, that's eh, OK. But then they're like, oh, well, Christian Bale doing it. It's like, Oh, wow. Well, that just got more interesting, you know. So, I mean, I could go on about the cameo days and days and days. It's just that, that was definitely the most unique part of the show that you really don't get with any other show
1: ever. Do you, do you still get that way?
2: All the time, man. I mean, I, it's, it's weird. Like, I, I, I never, like, nerd out out in front of anyone or become the ultimate fanboy because I just, I don't know, I just won't allow myself to do it. But, like, there's times where, you know, I'm, I'm having a conversation with Amari Stoudemire, let's say, when he's doing the show. And, like, he's excited to meet me. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, you're, at the time, you're, you know, you're the starting power forward for the Knicks. Like, I'm excited to meet you. So that's how this works. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've just gotten to meet some really, really cool people who I've had a lot of respect for and what they've done professionally.
1: Now, the movie's coming out four years, pretty much four years after the finale. I know filming wrapped a while back, um, and you've been bringing guests on your podcast for the show, which which is really cool. What was that experience like being back with the crew that many years later? Shooting the
2: movie, it it was in a weird way. There was at first, it was almost like nerves like, God, like, do I remember how to do this? Like, it was a couple of years since I played this character. Do we all remember how to do this? Did we maybe, uh, we overstaying our welcome a little bit because it has been so long? But then the minute we all got back together and we did the first take, it just felt like we'd never stopped doing what we were doing for the last 10 years. So, um, you know. It's a weird thing where in my mid-twenties to late-twenties, you know, as an actor, and you know, doing a show that was successful, it's like, oh, well, you got to wait and see what I'm going to do after this, and uh, there's so much more to me as an actor, and I still feel that way, absolutely, but I've grown such a different respect for just how high quality of a, of a job and a role that Entourage was, where I look at it because of the people, because of the other five guys on the show, because of the girls we've had on the show, because of the crew we've had, almost all the same crew for all those years. It's like, God, I'm getting paid to show up and hang out with yeah. those people. I mean, <laughs> it, was a, it was a lot of work, but in the same breath, like as I got older, I realized this, how important it is if you get the opportunity to kind of choose who you get to work with. So now I'm like, let's line them up. I'll do five of these. And obviously, you know, the financial gain would be a great thing, but also from a standpoint of, <laughs> I just get to go hang out with guys who are like my family. Like, there's no, I think that's what made entourage work all those years is I think men and women to a degree, you know, in their mid-20s and then now in the 30s. Like, that's all you wish you could do. Don't you wish you could hang out with, like, your four best friends from high school every day?
1: Yeah, you yeah. You can't do
2: it. Life gets in the way.
1: Exactly. So there could be another one in the works?
2: I mean in the works, yes. Um, but again, you know, there is a business and all of it to to because it is a business so it definitely has to uh perform at a certain level before any of that will happen, you know. But I mean the plan is in place. Should we perform like we think we could perform, that we would absolutely do another one rather quickly. But that's nice. why everyone listen, then we need you guys to go out and see it and if you it's like the other jeans, if you know. If you build it, they will come. So it, we'll build another one if you guys will show up.
1: <laughs> as I said earlier, Ronda Rousey's in the upcoming movie. Were you a fan of hers before meeting her on set, or did the movie sort of make you a f- true fan of Rousey?
2: I mean, I, again, like I, I, as a fan watching her fight, I just thought that she was an amazing fighter who definitely had a, uh, a charisma and a flair apart from just the fighting aspect, you know, like down to the way she walked out to the ring and like the way she kind of like kicks up her feet and just looks at her opponent, you know. She definitely had a charisma about her. Then, and I actually told her this when I first met her, having watched the season of her on the Ultimate Fighter show, not to call back and make this whole call about the Ultimate Fighter show, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I really got to see some of her uh, personality. I felt like, you know, she kind of let us in a little bit and just seeing how much she cared. And I remember particularly the one episode where and I don't remember the fighter's name, but uh, he didn't make weight and he kind of, I'm not going to say quit, memory doesn't serve me altogether that well, but I feel like me, he threw in the towel and just couldn't make weight and she just took it so hard and she felt like she failed him and got so upset and I just thought that, you know, obviously she's a coach and she has to be there for that, that, that young guy. But uh, in the same breath, she didn't have to take it as hard as she did and just showed me that she cared so much. So I told her that. And I love the stuff with her mom on the show. And, uh, I, and, again, in true entourage fashion, we've always had a kind of luck element. Like, you know, we had Russell Wilson and Gronkowski and Tom Brady in the movie a year and a half ago. They did their scenes. And then you cut to a year after that and they're all playing each other in the Super Bowl. Similarly, you know, we get Ronda Rousey on the show, on the movie, and just as we get closer and closer to our release, her star just—just just when you think it can't rise any higher, it goes even higher. So, yeah. hopefully, it's all lining up.
1: No kidding. Now, I want to talk to podcast. I—it's I, funny you can see an actor or actresses in movies and be like, yeah, you know, that's cool, but. After listening to someone do a podcast like yourself, you truly feel like you've gotten to know the person on on sort of a different level. And I think that's the point of actors and actresses and people doing podcasts. What was the thought process behind Doing Bad for Business? And explain where the name came from.
2: Okay, several things. First and foremost... um, I've always had a love for talk radio. Uh, it goes back to the earliest Howard Stern days when I was growing up, and particularly sports talk radio. You know, I used to call in the radio stations when I was nine years old, and just try to disguise my voice to ask my questions. So, partly that, mixed with the fact that you know, I guess you could say that the golden era podcast, and it's really. I won't say it's easy, but it's relatively easy to get one going. You know, uh, I mean, I'm technologically dumb, so I needed <laughs> help. Uh, and that's where the name kind of came in. Uh, my girlfriend, Bree, who is, I guess you could say basically co-host, really, but she's the producer of the show. And it's very tech savvy and has a college education in journalism. And is just the absolute, uh, one of yeah, she has that Ronda Rousey factor. Like she just outworks everyone that I know. And, um, she basically volunteered to kind of help me start this and put it together. And we both fell in love with it as a business. So the title bad for business, basically, you know what they always say, like, ah, don't, don't lend money to family or don't work with family. Don't ever start a business with family or oh All right. What about you start a business with your girlfriend? Cause you know, we do have sponsors now and yeah. the show has grown to a great place. So, you know, I guess that's where the title came from. Like, is it bad for business? Like what happens if her and I get to a, a fight in our personal life, like is it going to affect the podcast? Like, <laughs> but we 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 sat down way before we started and made some pretty serious rules about, you know, the show is the show, and we're going to have a great time with it, and it's priority. But obviously, the relationship trumps all, and uh I'll shut the or we'll both shut the damn thing down if it ever interfered with our personal relationship.
1: I mean, there was that that one episode where you were both rather grumpy, so. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That was in that was in uh, when I was in New York. Yeah, I think over Christmas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> break it might have been or no. Uh, I think it was in February. I was working and it just was so damn cold and I hadn't been outside in like three days and I just wanted to get back to L. A. and get back to the sunshine and uh, yeah, I was I was the Dark Knight on that episode and uh, but again we hung we hung up the podcast and we kind of uh, laughed about it afterwards. But it shows you listen, man. I appreciate that.
1: I do. I do. Uh, actually I'm listening to the new one. I was listening to it on my ride home from work today.
2: Uh, which one of the, the Rex lady episode is it?
1: Yeah, that's it. All right. A couple more things for you here before I let you go. I, I've actually pl- also played in your DraftKings fantasy football, uh, weekly tournament a couple of times last season. What's your favorite oh, FanDuel, part? Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite part about doing those uh, daily fantasy tournaments?
2: Uh, I've been a fantasy freak for, I mean, years. I go back to the days where you literally had to like score, score yourself with like the USA Today and a pencil. So, <laughs> just seeing what fantasies evolved to now, and I'm still in like three or four different leagues, but I've toned that down. What I like about like FanDuel is, you know, you could make, you could have a horrible week, and terrible picks. But it's one week, and it doesn't dictate your whole season. Like you know, I've been a victim of some bad injuries over the years, where I've, my whole season's been thrown away because you know, Jam- I had Jamal Charles here; he blew out his knee, and you know, I that I've, 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 I've Tom Brady when the year he tore up his knee. So in FanDuel, you do that, and then you basically just get to reshuffle the deck. And then Charlie O'Connell, a good friend of mine, who's a fantasy master, uh, we decided like what a great way to like interact with the podcasting world audience and. Kind of do a draft, and Fanduel's been great in helping us out, put, putting these leagues together. And we're going to do it again this year, and it's going to be even bigger. And we're going to have a league of champions, where basically if you beat me or if you win the league outright, you get the, for the week you get to come on and basically co-host the show. Nice. So, uh, I think it's a fun way to involve the audience, and um, I love tweeting and talking shit with everybody you know who's in the who's in my weekly league. It's been
1: great. <laughs> do you do you play any other sports?
2: Fantasy wise? Yeah,
1: yeah. I know you play basketball, yeah, you know, but fantasy wise,
2: I I did some fantasy basketball, uh, and I started doing it again during the playoffs. Um, I'm not the biggest hockey guy. I used to be a big hockey fan, and then when they they kind of they had the lockout strike situation or whatever it was in '95, the year after the Rangers won the Cup, it really upset me. I was 14 years old, and I kind of swore off hockey. Uh, I've done a few baseball ones. Like, it takes me about a month or two to really get warmed up with baseball. Like, I'm watching my Yankees, I'm watching all the games, but just I feel like by right before the All Star break, by the end of June, I'll really be winning some money in fantasy baseball.
1: That upset me that you talked about the Rangers. I'm from up here in Vancouver. That was the year they beat the Vancouver Canucks in the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh,
2: yeah. Remember? I think it was like, wasn't Pavel Bure? He's like a rook. Like,
1: he was a he's superstar. He's, bu- he's my favorite player. player. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure.
2: I, I remember a very young, scary Pavel Bure. Uh, that's who the Los Ranger fans are just terrified by every time he touched the puck, my friends and I would literally just yell and throw stuff at the TV. Cause I could score any moment from anywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Finally. Um, A few weeks back, you had Emmanuel on the show. You guys did a word association game. Well, I do something sort of similar. Um, It's called Sucker Rundown. Are you down to play? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so basically word association, I'll give you a word, a name, a person, and you give me the first thing that comes to your mind. Got it. HBO.
2: HBO. Legendary.
1: Entourage. Family. Kevin Dillon. Genius. (laughs) Genius. <laughs> Turtle. Fun. Ronda Rousey.
2: Inspiring.
1: John Jones. Hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> fantasy sports. Like
2: Hopefully he's not in too much trouble. Yeah. Fantasy sports. Uh, fantasy sports.
1: Uh, euphoric. Bad for Business Podcast. <laughs> Charming. And finally I'll leave you with this. Got. Jerry Ferrara. Uh,
2: is blue collar one word?
1: <laughs> it does you go for it. You I stumped you with your own name.
2: <laughs> yeah, because like every the first words that popped in my head were all so self deprecating. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to make it look like I hate myself. Uh, uh, all right, let me, okay, for one word, let me think of, uh motivated, that's what I'll say, motivated.
1: He is Jerry Ferrara. You can catch him in the Entourage movie, which comes out in theaters June 3rd. You can also catch the podcast, Bad for Business, everywhere. Podcasts are heard iTunes and Stitcher. Jerry, man, it's been an absolute blast. I, I really appreciate having you on the show. Just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe and anything else you have going on.
2: Uh, social media universe is Jerry C. Ferrara on Twitter because someone's squatting on Jerry Ferrara. And then on Instagram and Facebook, it's Jerry Ferrara. Uh, the podcast, Bad for Business, just on iTunes or our website, is b for bent And uh, yeah, Entourage movie coming out June 3rd. And uh, I'm also going to be. Uh, uh, recurring on the show Power on the Star Network also starting in June. So uh, that's the rundown.
1: Nice. Congratulations on that, man. Thanks again, and I can't wait to check out the movie in June.
2: Anytime, brother. Let's. Uh, I'll reach out. We'll catch up when I'm caught up on uh, the open fire show. I'll come back on. We'll, we'll recap.
1: Awesome. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Take care, man. This man will take on Frankie Edgar in the main event at UFC Fight Night 66 in the Philippines. Please welcome Uriah Faber back to Sucker Radio. Uriah, thanks for joining me, man.
2: Hey, no problem. How are you?
1: I am doing great. How are things with you? Uh, Get up to anything cool while you've been uh, sort of on a bit of a break? Um... Nothing to
2: mention. I mean, I feel like... uh... There's probably been all sorts of cool stuff that happened, but I can't point to one thing in particular.
1: <laughs> now, as we speak right now, I know the show is going to air on Thursday, but as we speak, Dana White has just made the announcement that John Jones has been stripped of his title. Did you hear that?
2: No, I didn't, man. I kind of didn't this whole thing. I've been so busy. Uh, what the hell happened?
1: Well, I guess, you know, the, the word on the street is he got into a hit-and-run. He fled the scene. Um, he sort of hid from the cops a little bit. Then he ended up turning himself in, posted bail, and uh, that's that as we speak. And Dana went on Fox Sports 1 and announced that he's stripped of the title and Rumble will fight Daniel Cormier for the light heavyweight championship. Wow. Surprised?
2: That's crazy. Yeah. I mean I I feel like they, they they keep giving the guy a bunch of chances and Jones, man, he's an intelligent guy. I mean I know the guy well. I don't know why he keeps making some dumb decisions.
1: Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean I guess the the fame can get to you. I mean it it depends on the person, right?
2: I mean it definitely depends on the person. I mean I know both the Jones brothers and they're super cool. And it seemed to handle their own fame pretty well. I mean he's I don't know, man. It's an interesting thing.
1: A lot of people think, you know, the the guys that are preliminary card fighters and whatnot, you know, they they tend to be the guys that if something like this occurs they get they get thrown out to the wolves. But you know, the bigger name stars and the title holders usually get a slap on the wrist. Are you surprised that I mean, yes, you said you're surprised, but, I mean, are are you really surprised that they actually took this action?
2: I mean, he's kind of forcing their hand at, at this point. Like, I mean, he's probably going to be out for a little while. I mean, I guess I'm a little bit surprised. The, the UFC tends to stick by their guys pretty well, but um, John keeps messing up, man. So uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, I've seen you know, people talk about Jones changing throughout the years but I always felt like I kind of knew who he was you know from what he represented to me
1: yeah I mean you knew him a little bit from when he when he was a part of when you guys sponsored him with Form correct?
2: yeah you know I remember the first time I met John was at a fighter summit and uh, actually I think I was one of the first guys to give him a plug on, on Twitter just like hey You know, check out this guy, up and comer. The picture of him with his kids in the back of his car. Um, I don't know, man. He is a young guy. When I was, when I was uh, fighting at twenty three and twenty four and twenty five, I was, I was scratching by. I was working a couple jobs and uh, selling tickets and selling T-shirts and, you know, fighting for, you know, maybe a thousand bucks. So uh, I mean.
1: He's not handling it well. All right, let's talk you. You haven't fought since uh, December of last year, which doesn't seem like a long time to some people, but for you it is. I mean, you stay fairly active. Was this tough for you to to not not take a fight in the first couple months of the year and and stay outside the octagon for about four or five months? Uh, Kind
2: of. You know, I I like to stay pretty active, but I've had less active years. I, I, uh... You know, it's all kind of runs together for me because I'm training all the time. I'm always,
1: you know,
2: staying real busy. So um, I'm looking forward to getting in and fighting, that's for sure. I'm definitely hungry.
1: It's a fun fight between you and Frankie, both fast-paced fighting styles. You, of course, tend to get the finish more often than not. Um, a lot of fighters say, you know, their goal is to go out there and finish fights, but then you see them sort of play it safe and, and just, you know, basically win. Can you say that you always are looking for the finish?
2: Oh, a hundred percent. You know, that's, that's what I go in there to do. And, um, you know, a fight for me is not to, to get in there and, and see how I can find out a way to win. It's like, you know, I'm trying to finish from the get go from the bell. That's my, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, that's the thing that's made me an exciting fighter. That's the thing that's, you know, made me stand out throughout the years. And that's allowed me to be part of the record books in, in you know, in the sport as well. So, uh, yeah, I feel like we've gotta have that mentality and I don't think Frankie is a guy that's not known for the finish, but he does he does have more of a I guess you could say more of a game plan type of style. And my I'm kinda of like throw the thing at the wall and see if it sticks.
1: Speaking of the record books, I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but there is a law in this fight and only one man can keep it. Someone brought up to me that the law of Faber is you don't lose non-title fights and the law of Edgar is he doesn't get finished. So the only way that both would remain intact is if you were to win a unanimous decision. Do you see this happening? And, and did you know about this before?
2: Um, <coughs> you know, I did not. <coughs> I did not really think about it. Nor <laughs> will I spend much more time thinking about it. But uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, you know, I, I feel like throughout the years, myself and Frankie is in the same boat. We fought top level athletes, you know, from the get go. So I've have always been in big fights, and and uh, you know, there's all sorts of records. I see guys they come up with all these weird records all, all the time, you know. <laughs> but uh, that's not necessarily the record that I'm I'm going for. I'm going to win this fight. I'm going to. Uh, have a performance in my lifetime. I'm, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm feeling heavy. I don't care about any of the little records. I mean, there's probably all sorts of statistics to oh, yeah. figure out if you're really delving into it on this one.
1: Yeah, th- th- this fight should easily bu- be billed as a super fight, in my opinion. Is is this something you're looking to do more of at this point in your career, fun super fights that, that get the fans uh, excited?
2: I think so. I mean, you know, it's, being the best in the world is obviously always a of mine. And um, I feel like I'm still uh, in the hunt for that, for that number one position. But right now it just makes sense. The, the, the place that the sport's at, you know, the, there's so many fights going on. You know, people are, are overlooking little fights here and there. I want to be in fights that there, you know, you can't get overlooked and uh, super fights, the fights that really matter. And the 145 pound weight class right now is, is the weight class for that. Um, there's some big fights at 35s also, but uh, I feel fortunate to be able to have the skill level, the opportunity, and the willingness to, to jump up and jump down to fight the best guys in the world. Not many people have those opportunities. Not many people have the skill level or the, the pedigree, and uh, not many people are willing. So um, I'm in a very unique situation, and I'm going to take advantage of it.
1: So you, you could be bouncing back and forth, fight to fight, from 35 to 45? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Nice. That's pretty cool. Now, you'll fight in front of the Philippine fans. Uh, do you think they'll be on your side in this fight?
2: I don't know. Frankie's a hard guy to root against. I know I'm going to have a lot of fans in, in the Philippines. I've been there a couple times, and uh, you know I've definitely felt the love. <clears throat> as far as being uh, the favorite over there, it's hard to judge, but... Um, yeah, you know, I, I feel like I'll definitely have a lot of fans there.
1: Will you guys be sent down there to do promotional purposes?
2: We already went. We went down there uh you know, a few months ago. Did and you spent five <laughs> days and, and went all over the Philippines? Frankie and I both, so um and then I went the year like about a year prior to that I went as well.
1: Nice. Now post uh, weigh ins, will you be uh eating the Philippine delicacy balut?
2: <laughs> I will not be eating balut. I don't, <laughs> think, uh, yeah, I don't think I can stomach that. Not that it's bad for anyone else, but for me, the the balut is not the, uh, the delicatessen I want to test out.
1: All right, this is the last thing I'm going to ask you about this fight, and it's something that one of my writers asked me to ask you, and he really never ceases to amaze me with the questions that he wants me to ask. I guarantee you it's something that you have never been asked or never will be asked again. But uh, if you were to corner Tupac and uh, Frankie Edgar were to corner Biggie, who would win in an open weight Pride style matchup? East Coast versus West Coast.
2: <laughs> you know, speed kills, man. I'm gonna have to go with my boy Tupac on that one. <laughs> uh, I think he uh, got too much swag for the for the for the big man.
1: So I'm sure eventually, you know, you you probably are looking at a run for another title. You're always up there at the top of the divisions. Are you more interested in fighting for the bantamweight belt or the featherweight belt? I guess it depends on TJ.
2: Well, it just depends on the opportunities. You know, I, I want the big fight. And it's not always the uh, the champion that's the big fight these days. So uh, we'll see what happens, and um, I'll be poised and ready for, for any opportunity.
1: Well, the featherweight division, you fought Jose Aldo. Conor McGregor has a big mouth and is next for the champ. How do you see that fight playing out?
2: You know, I think uh, yeah, I think Conor has a has a has a good chance of giving Aldo a a, a solid fight. His, his biggest weapon is obviously his his punching power. Um, Aldo's a durable guy, though. I think Aldo's going to be faster and he's going to be more dynamic. So uh, I'm giving the edge to Aldo. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a good fight. You know, the one thing in this fight is uh, Connor's a little bit bigger and he is dangerous. And he really believes in himself. Aldo is a guy that's fought other guys that believe in themselves, like really believe in the, that they're the best in the world. You know, Aldo's fought those guys before and had wars with those guys before. Guys like Frankie and guys like Chad and guys like myself have the, the equal confidence. And I don't know if Connor's somebody that I could say really, really believes that he's, you know, he's the best guy in the world. So um, I think this will be the first time he he faces someone like that also, at least in the UFC. And uh, curious to see how it goes, man. I'll be watching.
1: Have you interacted with Conor McGregor?
2: Yeah, I've had a little interaction with the guy here and there.
1: Uh, Is he a guy that you would like to get in there with?
2: I wouldn't mind, that's for sure. Uh, You know, I think... Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's a big guy for the weight class. He's, uh, uh, he's building a a lot of hype around the name. Um, and I think it's a a good matchup for me. So I do that fight in a a heartbeat.
1: Let's move away from the octagon. I want to talk about, you know, your companies and and some of that stuff that you have going on, but first as a business owner and a sponsor of fighters, I'm not sure if you know about the fear of the fighter situation, but what are your thoughts on, on that fiasco? If you do know about it?
2: I do not know about it. What
1: happened? Well, I guess Fear the Fighter had sponsored a bunch of guys. Um, you know they're a t-shirt company, correct? Right. Well, they sponsored guys like Michael Bisping and Gegard Mousasi, and and Mousasi's actually out there with a lawsuit against them because he hasn't been paid. And a lot of these other guys that they've sponsored as well have not been paid by the company, and they're sort of, I don't know whether they're in hiding or not, but they're being unable to be contacted.
2: I didn't know about that. I mean, this is a hard business. You know, the clothing world, especially in the MMA realm, is a hard business. So, um, we've seen throughout time a lot of companies come and go and um, who knows? I don't know the backing behind those guys. I don't know the history of them. I don't know. Um, They have a bunch of pissed off fighters.
1: (laughs) definitely now you have been in the sport for so long then and have so much going on outside the cage obviously for you it's a fairly easy exit strategy when that time comes is is that something that you speak about with with the fighters and and the members of the team alpha male family
2: yeah for sure you know i i think you know we have we have uh discussions that i i kind of like to help mentor a lot of the younger guys and and um you know, it's, it's a prideful thing, the fight game. And it's it's also like a springboard for other opportunities. They're, they're you know, making a personal statement of who they are. Um, they're opening windows, you know, opening doors with, with people they may not otherwise be able to have uh, interaction with. They're, you know, learning a lot about, about how to do things. And, and so we talk about that. I mean, there's different guys with different talents and different you know plans moving forward and and uh yeah there's more to more life than fighting it's just we happen to love fighting so um we we, we're, we're lucky guys to be able to do it but we're always thinking of the bigger picture
1: yeah some of your guys do have you know businesses and and other stuff outside the cage like like danny with his hot yoga chad goes hunting do you frequent those things and and do you do that stuff with those guys
2: yeah, you know, Chad's actually started a, a business where he's doing hunting guides and, and fishing guiding and and stuff like that. Uh, Ch- uh, Danny's got his his business that he does, and I've, I've been there quite a bit. I bought a a year long membership to that. Not that you know he wouldn't have hooked me up, but you know to support. Nice. And um, you know we have we have a bunch of guys. You know we have a guy on our team, Eric Sanchez, who's a skilled carpenter and he actually works with my dad on on a bunch of our projects in addition to training twice a day so um there's there's a lot of guys with different skills
1: have you ever eaten any of the meat and stuff that chad's caught
2: i have and i went on a bear hunt with him i didn't kill anything but um i tried that meat it was pretty terrible but uh, (laughs) the the meat that chad makes is uh is good he's got all sorts of little recipes and stuff and that guy's a serious he's like Elmer Fudd, man. That's like his that's his gig. He's he's training and he's not training, he's out hunting.
1: I'm sure there's some serious stories from that uh hunting trip.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was a good time.
1: <laughs> now, a story—a story that I did hear was you on the Fighter and the Kid podcast talking about uh, working at the coffee shop and getting into a scrap with multiple guys. Now, was that uh, your best street fight story? Because I, I mean, it was pretty good, but I'm sure there were more.
2: Man, I've had some good street fight stories. I mean, that was my—that was the only high school fight I got into my my entire high school career. I had a couple of good ones in college, and uh, you know, I've <clears throat> I've never been a guy to start a fight, but I'm not afraid to uh, to defend myself or um, you know put someone down if they're if they're you know putting my put me in danger.
1: I mean, you you yeah, you're stocky for your for your height. Were you picked on at all because of your height?
2: No, man. I'm like uh, I, I wasn't really picked on growing up. I mean, I, I feel like. If I was picked on, I, maybe I didn't consider it being picked on. I don't know. Um, I didn't shy from, you know, I was always kind of a people person, and um, if someone if someone was messing with me, I mean, it was not, not long-lived, that's for sure.
1: Now, finally, we gave a kid a chance on com. He writes for us. He's also a loyal follower of uh, formerly known as Team Alpha Male Radio, Mumbles wanted me to say hi to you.
2: Mumbles, yeah. Mumbles is a. I actually read uh, verbatim one of his uh, articles he wrote. Nice. I felt bad after Sir Studboy, uh, stud I thought was being inappropriately mean, but uh, <laughs> Mumbles loves it. He's, hard, he's a regular on the show, so. Stud Show wrote it, Radio is a crack up, man. I, I know, uh, you know, I tried to squash the beef with the fighter and the kid, and. and Stud Radio, but uh, I think it's still going
1: strong. Well, yeah, I heard. <laughs> I heard that. Uh, Brandon Schaub seemed to say that he didn't even know who they were. Did you believe that?
2: <laughs> uh,
1: nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be good.
2: Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's funny. I think. Uh, yeah, those guys are awesome. I love being on the Fighter and Kid, and uh, you know, Stud Show Radio. I got I gotta you know, make sure I reel those guys in on occasion because they get kind of (laughs) crazy.
1: He is Uriah Faber. You can see him fight Frank Yeager in what I call a true super fight at UFC Fight Night 66 on May 16th, Uriah. Just let people know where they can follow you and your many businesses in the social media universe. Uh,
2: Just my name, Uriah Faber, U-R-I-J-A-H-F-A-B-E-R. And uh, that's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, all of the above.
1: Uriah, thanks a lot, and good luck in a few weeks.
2: Thanks, man. I appreciate it.
1: I told you it'd be a fun one. Uriah Faber giving all the goods, as always. That was a fun little interview with him. Had a great time chatting with Jerry Ferrara. So thank you to my two guests on the show this week. Thank you to you guys for listening. I'd like to shout out a couple sponsors here. As always, Pro-Am Belts. Check them out if you need a championship belt for your champions in your fight league. They are the guys to check out. Proambelts.com And a new sponsor, Floathouse. They're a, a BC, Vancouver-based um, company. If you don't know what floating is, um, check it out. It's a sensory deprivation tank. If you listen to Joe Rogan, he goes off about this on a number of his podcasts. He talks about it all the time. Basically, you're in salt water floating uh, for about 90 minutes. You get to just turn everything off and put yourself into this cool mindset to think about thoughts and, and, and sort of gain everything you can uh, while you're floating inside this tank. Uh, so if you don't know what it is, check it out, floathouse.ca. It tells you everything on that site. Um, and book yourself an appointment if you're in the Lower Mainland. they got two locations right now um, Va- in Vancouver. They also have a Victoria location, and opening soon will be a Surrey location. So there's four locations for you to check out, depending on where you are in British Columbia. Floathouse.ca. We are officially a brand ambassador for them. So they're guys that we're going to shout out on Sucker Radio here and there. Make sure you check them out. Again, thank you to you guys for listening. Make sure you follow MMA Sucka on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash MMA Sucker. Like us on Facebook. Never mind. That's backwards. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash MMA Sucka. Follow us on Twitter at MMA Sucka and myself on Twitter at JeremyBrand604. So, like John Jones said,
0: I'm out. Candidates calibrate levels of greatness. That's when we collaborate. Mikey Brock is Jeremy Brand as we reactivate. Brand creates the show for the fans, and it's magnanimous. Jerry's out the session, and yes, it's unanimous. It's the radio. It's the it's the radio. Sucker sucker radio. It's the radio. It's the it's the radio. Sucker sucker radio. It's the radio. It's the it's the radio. Sucker sucker radio. Come and listen. It's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. It's the radio. It's the it's the radio. Sucker sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the it's the radio, sucker sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the it's the radio, sucker sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show, or you can stream online. Else.